You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, August 29th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me today is Slash Home News Writer and Box Office Analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, happy Monday, everyone. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Uh, over the weekend, I... Binge watch the second season of Only Murderers in the Building. Have you seen seen the show at all, Ryan? I know you're not a big TV watcher. No, but this is one that I am that I am absolutely going to get to at some point. So, like right now, I'm determined to finish. I have the last season of Better Call Saul. Um, oh yeah, finish that and, first, <laughs> right? And then and then so I uh, I think I'm going to. It's between that or Under the Banner of Heaven, which will be the next TV show that I actually do watch. I might do Under the Banner of Heaven first just because it's a limited thing and it'll be quick. But like, anyway, I'm absolutely going to watch Only yeah. Murders in the Building. No question. 
it's so good. It's so funny. All the actors are great. And all the meta commentary on, you know, um, this genre of, <laughs> of shows and movies is great. And uh, I watched the second season in one day. I, I forgot it was on. I, I loved the first season. And I forgot it was on until I saw articles on, on Slash Film <laughs> talking about how, you know, the murderer was unveiled, which I guess is not much of a spoiler because it, it's like a show where they're trying to solve a murder. And, you know, right. That's at the end obviously. Of this, yeah. Yeah. That you're going to get there. It would be so unsatisfying if you didn't reveal who the murderer is. At the end no, of totally. This uh, so, um, so I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be spoiled. So we started watching it. And I thought we were going to watch like a couple episodes, but we ended up watching the whole thing. It's like one of those it, it, time just flies by while watching while watching this show. So anyways, highly recommended. Ryan, what did you see over the weekend? Uh, I was one of a <laughs> sad number of people that went and saw The Invitation, uh, which was the kind of under-advertised um, Sony horror movie vampire flick that topped the box office this weekend. Um, uh, it's not very good. Uh, you know, just it, it, it starts out kind of okay, and then it goes very off the rails in, in the last, like, third of it in a very bizarre way. But, um, you know, it's whatever. Like, it, it, it's it's not very good. But, uh, but um, yeah. Oh, I also went and saw Rogue One on Friday because they re-released it. That was dope. Oh, I should have went and saw that. I, I missed that. I missed it in IMAX the first time around. So I went because they re-released it for to promote Andor. And, man, that last hour of that movie is a real treasure. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, it's so it was good. It was fun being in a packed theater again, and and there was like a couple of kids behind me who clearly like either they were either very young when they saw it or like and they were just like so stoked, and it was it was a blast. It was a good time. You know, while you're talking, I looked up. Uh, I, I did a Google search for the invitation Rotten Tomatoes, and the first thing that came up was like eighty nine percent. I was like, really? Ryan not, hated this. No, yeah, yeah that's the two thousand sixteen invitation. Yeah, the- not the same one. <laughs> <laughs> turns out the one you saw is 23% on the tomato meter. And so, I think yeah. last time I checked the, the audience score is only at like 50 something. I mean, that's to get that level of audience score and run tomatoes is hard to be honest with you to get. Anything yeah. Especially for like what, yeah, especially for what's kind of billed as like a crowd pleasing sort of like almost YA, almost <laughs> at moments like YA, you know, vampire flick, but yeah, it's uh yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's not very good. What do you want me to say? Uh, so you mentioned this top the box office. I mean, it, it's basically the only thing out, right? More. Well, <laughs> all right, let's I guess let's get into it. We, uh, so real quick <laughs> breakdown of the box office here. The invitation did top the box office this weekend, but it only made seven million dollars. That is really bad. Um, and, and, you know, that wasn't the only game in town. The real problem was that George Miller's 3,000 Years of Longing, his first movie since Mad Max Fury Road, also got released in more than 2,400 screens, but you would hardly know it because it only made $2.8 million against a $60 million budget. That's what we call bad, kids. It's real bad. (laughs) Um, You know, so, I mean, that's pretty, pretty bad, you know, and then. Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which topped the box office last weekend, fell off a cliff, dropping almost 80%, only made $4.5 million. But we knew that was going to happen. You I was going to say, so, you predicted that last week. Yeah, but but that's fine. Anime is not supposed to carry, like, you know, it, it's nice that it's found an audience in North America, but if Hollywood was hoping that was going to, you know, 
do the trick. It wasn't because those people were going to show up no matter what. So, you know, and something like the invitation, it could have made that $7 million if there was a much bigger movie out. Now I'm half wondering if other studios thought 3000 years of longing was going to be the quote unquote big movie this weekend, but United artists and MGM just clearly forgot to promote it. So I don't know what the hell happened this weekend, but it was bad. <laughs> I barely knew that was coming out aside mm-hmm. from seeing George Miller doing you know, some some of his quotes going around about Mad some, Men. but but he didn't even do a ton of press. It didn't seem like like George, like Idris Elba did more press for Beast. You know, like I didn't see Tilda Swinton doing like any press. I mean, aside from seeing that trailer attached to movies I go to, I, it really didn't get advertised that much. And if you're not already going to movies, you're not going to be aware that that's out. I don't know. It was just a very, very rough I mean, real rough. It, I don't know. It just it was bad. Um, <laughs> I know you have a piece on the site uh, called the the box office is suffering need- needlessly right now. And Hollywood is only itself to blame. So w- what is that about? Well, OK, so like like what we're just talking about right now, one of the big things that happened last year is you had your big movies, your obvious movies made money, but everything else was a very big gamble. Well, what's happened in 2022, what we've seen is movies like The Lost City, The Black Phone, Everything Everywhere All at Once. There's quite a few examples of Elvis, another movie that's doing very well. Movies that are not franchise movies, but have managed to do well while the other sort of expected movies made their money. And um, what really seems like is going on throughout the second half of August and all of September is that Hollywood is pretty much only giving us those like other movies now, like bullet train and beast. I just think that those were examples of movies not doing quite as well as the studio had maybe hoped. So like, I don't fault Sony for thinking this was our big movie this month or universal saying, you know, this was our movie this month, but everyone else is just leaving, leaving theaters out to dry because we don't have another big movie until black Adam in mid October, you know? So what you're hoping is like the woman King or don't worry, darling can break out. Maybe something like Barbarian or Smile can make some money. But really, like, there's no even relative guarantees. So it's bad. And and the problem is that with Hollywood sort of pivoting away from streaming being the answer is that they need theaters just as bad as they used to now. So, you know, but the problem is theaters absolutely need a steady stream of products to survive. So it's a symbiotic relationship that is not really working perfectly right now. And it's not really fair to theaters to leave them out to dry for two months. So... You know, there there's holes on the calendar that could have been filled, and it's miraculous to me that someone isn't stepping up to fill them. Huh, okay, so do you think anybody in Hollywood is actually taking this lesson? Like, oh, what are you going to see? What are we going to see coming up out of this? Well, I, I my hope is that next year in 2023 there isn't like I think we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but my hope is that 2023, you don't see these gigantic gaps in the calendar. I mean, it used to be that January was relatively bare. September was relatively bare, but what you would get is a few movies that were kind of gambles that would sometimes break out. Like I believe you had the Hitman's bodyguard was like a late August, early September release a handful of years ago. And that kind of broke out and did well, you know, so you get, you at least take your gambles. I think Beast kind of falls into that category this year, but it just didn't really work out. But you still needed some other stuff. I don't know. It's it's pretty, it's it's bad. Um, the one thing I will say, because I know you're approaching the end of the summer movie wager here, is uh, did you end up putting Where the Crawdads Sing as one of yours or no? Uh, no. Okay, so 
number i forget exactly what i have for number 10 but i i predicted on the summer movie wager uh when we recorded the podcast on the film cast i said and this is probably the the smartest prediction i made i said that whoever nails number 10 is going to win this right and uh i i, I basically think that that is what it looks like that's what it's coming down to i put for number 10 elvis and oh, okay you did okay you did the right thing then okay i i haven't even been checking and jermaine put where the crawdads sing and right now at least according to uh the, the guy that runs the summer movie wager he does like all these like uh percentages of who's gonna win it's basically between me and him and which of those two films by the end of the summer by by uh what is it like memorial day yeah or no uh, so you, got, yeah. you got like you got like one week yes so if well, i well you're i'm gonna spoil it for you you're gonna win Yes, because Elvis has 147 domestic and where the crawdad sing is 81.8. The only thing I said, though, was I felt where the crawdad sing was a good dark horse. And for the record, I think that was very correct. Oh, yeah. I had it on the dark horses, I believe. Well, that might be Um, why, because, yeah, 81.8, because I remember you were like, what's where the crawdad sing? And my whole thing was like, (laughs) my whole thing is like everyone's mom who isn't on the Internet is like aware that movie is coming out. And like and so that was that's my whole thing. And that's a good example of like Sony releasing a movie that like wasn't necessarily a guarantee, but like at a lower mid budget, you could sort of have that make money alongside those other big movies. And that's now made like over $104 million worldwide. So good for them. But you know, you can't only have that. So, you know, my real sincere hope is that 2023 doesn't have the same harsh lesson. Yeah. Well, if I win this, Ryan, I get to make everybody on the film cast and Jermaine watch a movie of my choice. And oh. uh, the the question is, do I do 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 I pick something that like, you know, is good, or do I pick something that uh, do I do I be mean, right? Oh, you absolutely no no. Oh my god, I'm the worst winner in the world. You be as mean as you possibly can. <laughs> okay, well, I I gotta figure it out. I gotta figure. I have some ideas. As but... a guy who's watched a lot of terrible movies willingly, I can very much help you out with that. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll talk. We'll we'll talk. <laughs> Okay, let's um let's do an update on the Warner Brothers Discovery stuff. Uh, fiasco, fallout. <laughs> yeah, sh- shall we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's been a bunch of uh, updates since the last time we talked about this. Uh, two weeks ago, over 20 different series were given the axe, and now six more upcoming animated projects have been canceled, including Batman, Cape Crusader. Uh, very this- quickly, I I think it's very need to before you dive into this it need, because this was a little misreported at first they yeah. are no longer moving forward at hbo max let's be very clear about that these yes, are not yes, yes. scrapped all together they were like not like batwoman where it's never going to see the light of day most of these are being shopped to other networks or streaming services and that is key i'll let you finish your thoughts but that is a very important thing Okay, well, Batman the Cape Crusader, I think, was the most notable of this bunch because of the follow-up to Batman the Animated Series, which is the show I watched uh, you know, when I was a kid. I loved it, or you know, whenever it was on, when I was a teenager. Um, and this has executive producers Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, so some huge names. Everybody was super excited about this. Um, were you excited about this show? Yeah, so, like, I'm not a 
big Batman guy. I've said this many, many times. Uh, I don't really much care for Batman, but I like the world he inhabits. Batman the Animated Series, though, some of the best superhero stuff ever. Uh, yes. I believe it's called Heart of Ice. That episode's about Mr. Freeze. I mean, oh, yeah. you talk about a perfect half hour of television. And the same thing, What what's the episode Um, <clears throat> where it's all the villains sitting around? I think they said, like, I, I think it's called, like, I Almost Got Him or whatever. And it's all the villains, like, going over their close calls where, like, they almost got. Uh, and I'm also a huge fan of uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which was the animated film that came out of that. Oh, so yeah. that said, with Abrams, Reeves, Bruce, Tim, of course, I thought this was a good idea. Like, I, I was looking forward to this. I was interested. Even that poster's good for this show. That poster yeah. they put But like out. you said... Yeah, like you said, the production on all the projects that have been, you know, quote unquote, given the axe doesn't mean that they're like giving up on them. It just means that they're intending to shop them around to other platforms other than HBO Max. And I will be honest with you. I don't I never thought that this was a good series for HBO Max. Well, and look, you can debate that. I think it might have been a good series for HBO Max. But whatever the case, I think the big thing is that like. David Zaslav, the current CEO, who we've talked about a lot, um, I think he's sort of seeing opportunity right now to, in the streaming wars, sell weapons instead of just be part of the war. And like, because there were uh, the Hollywood Reporter at the end of last week in the uh, in their newsletter revealed that like Netflix, Apple, and Amazon, I think, are all three like in a bidding war now over Cape Crusader. So Warner Brothers is ultimately going to make a mint selling this to someone else. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, and I've been a I, long before this Warner Brothers Discovery stuff. I was a big critic of like, I don't know that the exclusivity model in streaming is a great model in the long run. And I, I question a lot of how David Zaslav and the, and the people there have handled a lot of this. I don't necessarily question the logic that you might be able to make a lot more money not being in the exclusive business game, y you know, and then these shows still get to exist. So, yeah, I think it sucks the way some of this went down. But, you know, I think if this is your broader strategy in the future and you can clean that up through the pipelines and not have to make it so people don't know where things are going when. Yeah, maybe this strategy works. It just sucks the way it's going right now. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other projects uh, that were, you know, that were canceled for HBO Max was Merry Little Batman. Did I do it? That did I do that to the holidays? A Steve Urkel story. That sounds you, like a joke. That sounds like a joke. I think that's got to be like they've. that's got to be like an in on it thing, though. Right. Like you got to imagine that's almost like meta. Yeah. I mean, I will say that there's so many people that grew up on TJIF and like those shows. And you saw recently with Saved by the Bell that kind of got a resurgence with that new reboot. Like, I, I think there's definitely an audience for what like, that 90s didn't do very kids. well on Peacock. I think this yeah. is very like platform oriented. That Urkel thing seems like a Netflix thing to me all day long. Like, I, I think people would actually find that there. Yeah. Uh, the Amazing World of Gumball, the movie. Cartoon Network. If... Just put it on Cartoon Network. That makes sense to me. And then two different Looney Tunes films, The Day the Earth Blew Up, a Looney Tunes movie, and Bye Bye Bunny, a Looney Tunes musical. I just don't feel like people are going to be going to, we're going to go to HBO Max for Looney Tunes content. No, I think HBO things, Max, I think yeah. HBO Max already had a hard time with that with the Looney Tunes cartoons, which were pretty good, by the way. But like they, they didn't do very well, seemingly, when HBO Max came out. I'll tell you what, though, as a guy who used to like like 
some of the like kind of later era Looney Tunes stuff. When you tell me a Looney Tunes movie is titled The Day the Earth Blew Up, I want to see that movie. Like, I don't care where <laughs> that goes. I am I didn't know that was happening. And as soon as I saw that title, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't really know what that is, but I want to see that. Oh, I totally want to see that. But like, I feel like that's going to be something that I'd play better on on Netflix. You know, Netflix has so much kids programming. And yep. I, I, Maybe. I feel like HBO as a brand feels so adult to me. It, it does. It does. I, I think that was part of the I mean, look, Warner Brothers didn't HBO was the strongest brand in terms of that sort of thing in Warner Brothers library. And I completely understand why you went with the HBO Max branding for like the streaming service. It's just people are too goddamn confused about what all this stuff means and what's where and what you're supposed to expect in these places. Like we know what Warner Brothers owns. So we know that it makes sense that Looney Tunes is on HBO Max, but you're right. Most people don't automatically think HBO, Looney Tunes, those two things don't make sense with each other. I don't know. I, I feel like it was a missed opportunity to, you know, have Warner Brothers Plus or Warner Brothers Max or whatever. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll say the unpopular thing here that I don't necessarily know that it was, I don't think it would have been a terrible thing to maybe keep HBO a separate service. Like I, that, you know, because like there you've seen that with like stars or Showtime or things like that, where there are bundle options. But sometimes keeping those premium cable things a separate thing might not have been a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. People are still going to buy HBO for, you know, the Game of Thrones stuff, like all, all their like premium content. Why bundle that? Yeah. And, and then you wouldn't have had any like brand confusion. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, you're right. The Warner Brothers branding, because then that that comes with a lot of associations like Harry Potter, DC. There's a lot of things that might have made more sense there. Yeah, um, I will say, you know, we we started this talking about Batman: The Cape Crusader, and one of the producers of that is Matt Reeves. And you'd think after like you know his projects getting shelved or whatever, he'd be maybe upset with Warner Brothers, but no, he has signed on a huge overall deal with Warner Brothers. I know you wrote this up for the site. Um, and this is the first filmmaker to sign an overall deal with the new Warner Brothers since the regime changed change with the merger between Warner Media and Discovery earlier this year. Is this a good sign? Uh, yeah, look, I think here's the thing. I think what's interesting is this news literally came out the day after news broke that one of his shows is not going forward at HBO Max. So it's a little unexpected. Um, I do think it makes sense. I think because he has not only the Batman 2, but like two spinoffs at HBO Max from that show. It's very clear that Warner Brothers is moving forward with that universe. Like that's not going to be a casualty of all this. I think Matt Reeves is a phenomenal filmmaker. I think Warner Brothers is a place that m maybe made sense for him. Although I do think it's interesting that this didn't put him off in any way. And I also think it's interesting that he kind of came up with J.J. Abrams and that J.J. Abrams also has an overall deal at Warner Brothers. Do they maybe have some stuff cooking together? Do they like being under the same roof? I don't know. It's a good get for Warner Brothers. It's a good look for Warner Brothers at a time when a lot of things don't look good for them. Um, yeah. But I will say the one thing that is a little discouraging to me is that it's pretty clear that like Matt Reeves is going to be like pretty much in Batman land for the next like five years. And as a guy who loves Matt Reeves and like mm. wasn't as enthralled by the Batman as everyone else was like, I would like to see him do other stuff, but you know, whatever. Like, we, we kind of knew that anyways, though. Right? I know, but like seeing it all on paper and the reasoning being that like he's spending so much time on the Warner Brothers lot in Batman land that that's part of the reason why the deal made sense for him. It's like, oh, man, can you do something cool? 
Like, I don't know. Like, I just like, that's a me thing. But, I, I will say, yeah, I will say this. One of the things I loved about Warner Brothers is they have kind of always been a filmmaker centric studio. They would always invest in filmmakers. You know, they were the home to um, Chris Nolan. Uh, you know, they they made so many great movies with him, uh, you know, for good and bad. You know, even, you know, they invested in Zack Snyder and a lot of people. For, didn't for like good, how- but, uh, but I think I think it I think before the Snyder stuff got ugly, you I, I mean, yeah. we got some cool movies out of that and we got some interesting stuff out of that. Obviously, Clint Eastwood's another guy, Ben Affleck's another guy. You know, like I, I agree with you. I think like Warner Brothers had this wise idea of you essentially treat filmmakers as IP. And you can take these really good filmmakers and essentially, in a way, turn them into like their own form of, you know, intellectual property. Like, you know, The Town is one of my favorite movies of the last 15 years. That happened at Warner Brothers because of Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I'm hoping that if anything on the film division, maybe they continue to take that playbook. Of, yeah, but uh, we did. But but there was a report from the Rap Pro today that that <laughs> like scuttlebutt behind the scenes that people are like warning other people to stay away from Warner Brothers right now. That like internally it's a big mess. Yeah. So well, it's especially like showrunners and stuff, right? Right. It's interesting that like Reeves signed on, but like who else can they get? Oh, like because I think what you might have is a period of uncertainty. But the thing is, you're just not going to have that many places to take your stuff. So ultimately, like, it's going to be, you know, beggars can't be choosers and filmmakers and showrunners, people like that will have to go to Warner Brothers at some point. Like, they're not going to have the luxury of you might have a few people like Christopher Nolan can take his business to Universal, but not everyone has that luxury. Yeah, it's also interesting, too, because I remember when this uh, first went down, there was rumors that Zaslav was not happy with this deal with J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot. And, um, you know, I'm sure. I'm not even sure if that that number has been reported of how much money they're spending on on JJ Abrams, but it's they a, did. It's a, it was a it was a 500 million dollar deal originally. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So I mean, if they're cutting all the stuff, you you could easily see them trying to get out of that deal if they could. They haven't, which makes me think that it's probably not possible to get out of the deal without paying probably a significant not, amount of cause, it. Because yeah, probably not because Abram Abrams had his choice. Like everyone in Hollywood wanted to lock him down. So he chose Warner Brothers over other studios. And the thing is, like, I don't blame Warner Brothers for being bad. Nothing has come out of that deal, essentially. Nothing. Like, there's not, you know, so, and the one big project he did have working got scrapped. So, like, I don't blame them for looking at that deal and saying, is this money well spent? Because right now it kind of isn't. Yeah. And um, the other thing I want to mention is that they shuffled a bunch of release dates. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read that. But the the big news is Aquaman 2 is going to be in Christmas 2023 instead of March. And there's a bunch of stuff going on there. But yeah, the the other one is Shazam took over the March 2023 release date. So Shazam 2 is no longer going up against Avatar 2. Good move. Yeah. By the way, it's funny how like Zack Snyder made that March release date. And now it's become like a DC thing. <laughs> you know what I mean, like well, I mean, that's one of the things, though, because what what started happening not to, I know we got to get out of here, but yeah. but, um, you know, it used to be what was happening is, is summer was getting too crowded. There wasn't enough room. So you started sort of extending that summer and, and you had like this. Now you had this window where like late March could sort of be like an early summer and you'd have you'd have big movies that can now, you know, have this almost like new window 
where you have a new window to like get a big movie out there. And I think it makes sense. Yeah. The, the thing I really wanted to mention here is the Hollywood reporters, Boris, uh, Kett, uh, noted that the studio only has enough money to release two movies theatrically between now and the end of 2022. That being don't worry, darling and black Adam. That is scary. That- I, I, I know Boris has a really good track record. I have yeah. seen a lot of people sort of call that. I am not sure how true that one is. Um, mm. It's an interesting thought, but I... He seemed sure of it. He didn't say like... He seemed nay. sure of it because they also have, I think the House Party remake got moved to December, so it's technically three movies. Um, I... I, I Okay, I, okay, okay. I, I look, I, I'm it's an interesting thought, but because the, the only thing is they're releasing, they moved a bunch more movies to theatrical next year. Um, Evil Dead Rise is now going to theaters, which it was supposed to be an HBO Max exclusive. I think that's a good thing. Um, so I, I mean, maybe that is true, I don't know, but I, it, that would seem more of like a short term cash flow problem than it would be like a long term concern for me, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, are you okay going longer with this episode? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can do a couple more minutes. What you got? Okay. Well, we got a couple more things that I want to talk. Let's let's talk briefly about this. Uh, Hollywood uh, Halloween ends is going to Peacock and in theaters. And you you wrote an article on the site slamming this move. Okay, let's not let's not be dramatic and say slamming, sir. Um, well, you called it a bad idea. It is a bad idea. No, I know. I just don't. I hate the term because I feel like that's overused. And uh, okay, okay. Uh, no, no, I'm just giving you shit. But uh, but no, but really, I think it's a bad idea. So Halloween ends is concluding the current trilogy of Halloween movies. Um, look, last year, so the original Halloween, or not the original, the 2018 Halloween made 255 million dollars at the box office against a 10 million dollar budget the highest grossing slasher movie of all time. Um, Halloween Kills, the sequel to that movie, came out in October of last year when things were still a little uncertain at the box office. And it had a... So, meanwhile, a year ago, the streaming landscape looked a lot different. So I sort of understand why you go, okay, we're going to release Halloween Kills both on Peacock and in theaters day and date, kind of hedge our bets that way. But that's not something you do twice, especially in 2022 when the box office, every indicator we have is that things are going very well. Now, Halloween Kills still made good money, made $130 million worldwide against a $20 million budget. But that's like almost only half of what the first one made. Yeah. So, and I think, especially we just talked about, there's huge gaps in the calendar now through October. Halloween Kills would be the only big horror game in town for the Halloween frame. If you are not giving people the option to watch that at home right away, I feel like you're just leaving ticket sales on the table. Plus, we've seen time and time again that movies that do well in the box office do better on streaming. So, like, you would only, if if Halloween Ends made more money at the box office, it would, in theory, do better for Peacock down the road. So, it doesn't really make this. I just can't find much reason for this, Um, especially when Peacock is floundering, losing billions of dollars. I don't. It, it to me seems like triage of the worst order. Um, I think this is a bad idea. That's just me. Yeah, and we should mention that Peacock is also slashing the price of its premium tier. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I I, I kind of missed that one, but 
Just for just for reference for people, when I talk about how bad Peacock is doing, they lost one point seven billion dollars last year, and in the uh, last quarter they lost almost five hundred million dollars. Peacock simply cannot survive the streaming wars. There is no way NBC Universal can continue to lose that kind of money on this, and I think they are going to be the first big casualty of the streaming war. I think NBC Universal is going to throw in the towel on it at some point, and I don't know what happens when that happens, but they cannot continue to lose that kind of money, especially when premium subscribers are flattening out already. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Okay, we have one last big story that we need to talk about today or people will kill us, and that is Marvel <laughs> Marvel has found a director for Fantastic Four. This is obviously uh, the first movie of Phase 6 of the Marvel Cinematic is, Universe. Is that? Like, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, I was a little I was a little ooh-ah when I was in uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, so I think I might have forgot that that was the first yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, they put it up on the board as the first one, and then they had a bunch of dates in between, and then they had those two Avenger movies at the right, end. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, the Fantastic Four movies have never been great. Some of them have done well, but not well in terms of, like, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe well. Um, but I've always imagined – I mean, I think fans have always imagined because they've been a big property in – the comics they they should be as big as the X Men. They they're Marvel. Be. They're Marvel's first family. They were they were the thing that got Stan Lee his like you know people associated with Spider Man, but Fantastic Four came first. You know that was Marvel's first big thing. Yeah. So they initially announced that the Fantastic Four movie uh, was going to be directed by John Watts, the guy that did the Spider Man trilogy for Marvel, and that actually seemed like a good name to me. Seemed and like a good idea to me too. Yeah, he dropped out of the project, um, and now ha- it, the project has been replaced with Matt Shackman, who directed every single episode of WandaVision for Marvel on Disney+. Plus. He's done several episodes of Game of Thrones. He's done It's Always Sunny, Happy Endings, Mad Men, The Boys, Fargo, Succession. He's directed over 50 episodes of TV, and like not just 50 episodes, but some of the you know, some of the biggest acclaimed shows. Yeah, like, he's done, as far as TV goes, he's done some of the most cinematic acclaimed TV you can do. Yeah, um, so it's probably bad to paint him as a TV director uh, or just, you know, another TV director because he's like, you know, the, one of the cream of the crop of of, of them. Uh, yeah, but- he's like Michelle McLaren in that way where it's really not fair to like be like, you're a TV director because, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's bullshit. Like, But... Now that I said that, I'm going to do exactly what I, I I said you shouldn't do. Peter. It seems weird to me. No, it it does seem odd. Like, I, first of all, I loved WandaVision. To be clear, Matt Shackman is now directing Fantastic Four. I don't even think we actually said that, but he is now directing oh, Fantastic yes. Four. He's directing Fantastic Four. I, I've, I've loved almost everything he's done. But it seems weird to me to give this guy that's, he's directed one film before that, was very poorly reviewed. I think it was released by A24. I forget the name of it. Um, but uh, I mean, obviously Marvel had great, you know, they were happy with what he did with WandaVision. They had a great working relationship with him on that. And that's like making, um, you know, three movies, right? <laughs> um, but like, I mean, is this any different? I, I guess this is my, the qualm that's going in my head because I'm sure it'll end up being great, but it seems like a big move movie to give someone who's never directed a big movie before that said that Marvel also gave, you know, the guy that did, uh, 
cop car, the Spider-Man trilogy. Right. And and, <laughs> and, and, and they gave way. and they gave the guy that directed Super Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, you know what I mean? It it's this is what they do. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess it is no different. It, other than the him not having as much movie I, I again I think in his case that's a bullshit argument. Like I I like okay, okay, no, just, no no yeah. no but my thing now let me say this though. I think Matt Shackman is a non-exciting choice for this. Like I I I have my own reasons to not like think this is exciting, but like not because, you know, cuz there's been other people where you would look at what they've done and you'd go, "Oh, it makes no sense you're getting a gigantic movie. This dude can handle it." You know, WandaVision is ostensibly a gigantic Marvel movie stretched out over a longer time and you're having to make that budget work. You know, like, so I think he's already proven he can do this. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of... And by of, the way, not not just like a normal TV show. It, like, dealt with different eras, different uh, time periods in, in television history, different yeah. styles. Yeah, he had to do a lot. Like, he had to do a lot with a little. And I think that, you know, that's so... It's just, he just seems, like, unexciting. He seems like such an obvious... You know, and especially for for a property that could be pretty interesting in the right hands. I just and I'm and I'm not like the guy's very qualified. So like, who knows? We'll see. But it, you know, it, it strikes of like when you had Edgar Wright was going to do Ant Man, and then you have Peyton Reed do Ant Man. Like Peyton Reed did a fine job, of course, but like I, I'm still always going to wonder what Edgar Wright's Ant Man would have looked like. Interestingly enough, I still think Peyton Reed should have gotten a crack at Fantastic Four because he wanted to make it years ago and he's made three very big Ant-Man movies. I think if anyone I'm I'm kind of half wondering if Marvel didn't give him first dibs and then maybe I have this sneaking suspicion that he might be busy doing Secret Wars. <laughs> That's kind of my th- theory right now, but we'll see. That that's a good theory. I like that theory. Interesting. Uh, and also, he was supposed to—he was attached to doing Star Trek Four, and because of this, he's no longer attached to directing that movie. Yeah, Paramount must be pissed about that. Yeah, because that would have been a good. Uh... <laughs> well, because they also—they already have a release date on the calendar for that, so they were, I think, hoping to get going with that. And I'm pretty sure Paramount—I think that's like the fourth director they've lost on that <sighs> Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, this is not to say that I'm not excited about Shackman doing Fantastic Four. I'm sure the movie will end up being – I'm I'm sure I'll end up loving the movie. Something about it just seems weird to me. It it feels like he's like the third person to get asked. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it absolutely feels like I'm not saying (laughs) – who knows? We might be totally wrong about that. We might be like, you know, they might have been – like we do not know what goes on behind the scenes. We have no idea. But you're, but I agree with you. It does feel like, it, like to me in my head, they were like, "What do you think, Peyton?" He's like, "I'd like to do Secret Wars instead." And they're like, "What a good idea," because um, because the Russo brothers said no, uh, and then like and then uh, and then they're like, you know, John Favreau's busy. So yeah, I feel like maybe you're right. Like he was the third guy down, but that could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it, it seems like more obvious when you like have someone like Destin. And you like give him an Avengers movie, then you know going from one division to Fantastic Four, the, uh, the 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 first family of the Marvel. Comic. I, I don't oh. think that's a much different jump though, because like Shang Chi is is not like an eight. Well, yeah, <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would know. Again, 
this is minor quibbles because at the end of the day, I'm sure he will make a a good movie. Sure. So like, what am I? I I I guess I'm arguing about like little semantics that like that doesn't even matter. Like it's it's all probably from my older like idea of like what TV a TV you know the the difference between TV and theatrical and whatever and now that's all become blurred so it doesn't the matter. only difference that TV directors have to deal with now is that TV directors have to do more with less money yeah. like and so I would argue that that's almost like an asset because you can work you know you can you can stretch that. And, yeah. and so that, that would be my only thing is I would argue like, that's why it's crazy to me, Michelle McLaren. Like she's like, she is so due for you know, like a big movie. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. But anyway, she if is. you don't know who Michelle McLaren is, please go look up her IMDb credits and wonder aloud why she hasn't made some big ass movie yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the supersized episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Wednesday. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.